I don't have any like really good introduction stuff that I thought of. No. That was the I, I suck at intros. <laughs> Same here. Um, but you and I, we like talking bolt action, so that's good enough. Doesn't matter if we can't think of it's anything true. for an intro. It's that's Jacob true. here, HMG episode. Got Dan on the phone with me now. Hello. Um, and uh, yeah, we've been we've been hanging out together a little bit more um, at a couple of events. Uh, Perth yeah. is still very strong with all kinds of bolt action events coming up. Next mm-hmm. one should be Spartan in, I think that's this weekend or next weekend. It's this weekend. Yeah. Yep. This weekend, yep. 2nd of July. Um, so it's a much more much more competitively driven than what we've done in Perth historically, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing. So again, more variety, more stuff in our community to take part of. Um, and that's actually the initial concepts were put together by Matt Castles and Liam, uh, and then Gorchin's running that one on the day. Um, and we've got that Very at cool. also another location for us. Um, Good Games Cannington has picked that one up um, for us to run. So, uh, or not for us to run, for them to run. Um, mm-hmm. But but look, it's it's another event, um, and I'm yep. looking forward to see where that grows and how it goes. Um, and with the name of Spartan, you'd expect there to be a little uh, focus on certain types of other things, and we'll probably end up with, um, I suspect, a few more in that in that category as we move forward. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and then the other one that I'm keeping an eye on, um, this is a bit of a private event that happens typically every, every year. I think it's around Jackson's birthday. I'm not quite sure, but I have missed the last two. Uh, and that is, um, he does a, a Budapest-themed um, yep. battle day, which is six to eight players per side on a massive board. Um, and it's all using theater lists from um, Siege of Budapest, uh, Fortress Budapest book. Um, yep. So I'll be at that one in a couple of weeks and I'll cover what I can from there. It's going to be a crazy day. Mm. Um, it's going to be an awesome day. And then you and I just came fresh off an event as well. Yes. So we, within the last, oh, might have actually been almost three weeks now, um, we were at a part of the Objective Secured charity event that they did where they hosted several different systems and it was all about raising money for our um, some of our local charities um, that OBSEX is normally connected with. Um, and so I think in this one was um, there was a young men's uh uh, mental health charity that was being yep. supported um, through through them, uh, and so I was asked, "Hey, do you want to come along and run something and try and generate some money for charity?" And I was like, "Hey, that sounds like a great idea, um, but I'm going to do it very differently because we'd done charity events before, and because there was a lot of other events that were coming up on the on the pad, mm-hmm. I didn't want to just run another stock standard event. I went, Let, let's do something a little bit different. We've got some freedom of license here and it's for a good cause, just uh, raising money for charity. And so I created Motor Mayhem. Now, Motor Mayhem, um, there are things that we learned that we'd do differently next time, but essentially we had three six by four tables that were connected on the long edges to make one massive board. Um, and it was chock full of terrain um, and all sorts of stuff. And through one of our previous, um, I guess, connections that we've had, we were able to support virtually every armored vehicle um, that any player would need um, for the event. So it was literally a case of yeah. you can just bring the money you want to donate. You don't have to bring terrain. You don't have to bring tables. Think, think of the physical number of tanks that were in the wall. That's how many we had. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not that many. Um, but we, but we did have, um, yeah, we did have some stuff there from. Uh, 
which which came about, and I was I've been able to provide a lot of models that people were able to use, and so um, it was a case of pick whatever you want, like anything that's on that table, just just grab one of those and, and we'll play. Um, we did a race, we did a uh, we tried to do a free for all at the end, but we'd actually run out of time really for that to get going. Um, and then we actually did a convoy, convoy chase, mission. which that, that was um, that was a very different sort of mission. So these these were not player versus player. This was more team versus team. Mm-hmm. But you could backstab. You could do all sorts of things. Um, and I had a whole mechanic that was built around if you donate X dollars um, for whatever, um, however much you want to go up to, that can give you a certain number of effects. And um, we had people that were quite liberally on certain things just going, I'm just going to drop you know, $10 here or whatever to make mm-hmm. sure that this shot is going to create problems um, and go through armor and stuff. Um, we had people that were like, we, we had a... Um, prototype tanks a mouse tank if we had mm-hmm. fake tanks we had we had all sorts of things that that you just don't see in normal games yeah. and sometimes it's for very good reasons um but i created a platform where it was like bring whatever hey, like, the like models a, you it, are it really doesn't matter it's like yeah. if you have a land battleship from world war yeah. one that you want to bring it just throw it down on the table um don't be upset when you're destroyed because <laughs> everyone's going to be firing anti-tank <laughs> shells so um yeah. but it was a great day yeah. So to clarify, uh, this this was a this was a vehicle event. Um, a vehicle only event. Yeah, we've kind of we've kind of talked no, about yeah. like a, a Mario Kart kind of thing before. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean we we split this over a couple of different missions. First one was just a race to the end of the board. Everybody had one tank. You, could, yep. you didn't matter which type or that one you vehicle. picked. Yeah, one vehicle. It could be it could be an armored car. It could be a transport. It could be a Sturm Tiger. It's whatever you wanted it to be. Uh, mm-hmm. And then all the manipulations for the charity would would boost that. So you know you're taking a yes. shot, you can up its penetration by one by spending a dollar, and then the the opposing player can counter by upping his armor by one by paying a dollar and all that kind of stuff. So yep. it's all in good fun. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think the winner of the race that we first that was Chris. Played. Yeah, yeah, that was Chris. So Chris. Um who was actually somebody who lived sort of in the area and happened to just drop by. Um, mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, I don't think I can necessarily stay that long. And I was like, well, look, you're more than welcome to grab a vehicle and throw it on the table. And I think he grabbed an armored car on the basis that he thought he was going to get like just one shot and it would be nice and quick. He ended up coming back going, hey, um, it turns out I can stay a little bit longer. So he stayed for pretty much the whole first game. Yeah. And, um, and he just ran the car up the side and... We had opportunity to take him out, and we no. didn't convert. <laughs> um, it wasn't helped by the fact that there was a lot of backstabbing on the start yeah, line. Yeah, uh, I, I, I did not provide any <laughs> any opportunity to, to fire at this target until, like, I don't know, like turn 12 or whatever, right, at, at the end. Because and he was it, way gone by that it, point. <laughs> it was just more hilarious to be, be shooting up other tanks in their spawn points. Um, yeah, look, it, and, it was... And some wacky things, Sturm Tigers, Flame Half Tracks, all that kind of stuff. Things that you just don't typically use. Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, Convoy's where it got serious. Um, yes. And it's a lot more strategic. Uh, yep. Same same, same exact board. Uh, and this is a combination of several, several, I guess, game boards that we've used in the past. Uh, yep. just, just because it's just so massive it just is a combination of, of terrain from all over in your collection well, and, 
and I wanted tank ranges of their guns to actually matter yeah. as well. Yeah. And so, um, so when I put it together, it was a mix of tank war as a, as a mm-hmm. like the tank battle scenario. Uh, it was a mix of that, a mix of um, probably like double envelopment, where it's like trying to run mm-hmm. things off the board edges, um, and a, and a simple mix of a free for all tank battle. It was a really um, odd mm-hmm. sort of idea. Because the transport convoys that that were brought onto the table, you either had to protect or destroy them, uh, and they were controlled by the umpire, which was me. And mm-hmm. so, um, with the model collection that we had, we had something like forty transports that, mm-hmm. at any given moment, were going to come onto the board, and f- um, they were going to run off. And so, for every transport that escapes, it was certain number of victory points. For everyone that was destroyed, it was a certain number of victory points. Yeah. And then for each um, armoured fighting vehicle that was killed on each side, you then got points for that as well. Um, And it very quickly became apparent that the way to stop an armoured convoy is to physically block the road because they can't move as fast, um, which created... um, Because as soon as the road wasn't blocked, um, due to the scenario and what I was trying to do and the speed at which I was trying to run things, um, that convoy, they were always going to run and they got infinite number of pivots provided they stayed on a road, which mm. meant that they were stupid fast, yeah. like yeah. like way faster than what you'd normally allow in a bolt-action game. But it put the pressure on the players, which is yeah. what it was there for. Yeah, so we, um, did, we did an even split of players from attacker-defender, yeah. basically. Uh, they yeah. got their own choice of um, out-of-the-tank collection, uh, and that was that was typically uh, three or four um, Zugs per player, so like a group yes. of about three tanks, uh, and yeah. and maybe maybe about three of them, probably about twelve order dice apiece per player, something like that. Yeah, that's around. Uh, that. And we and, and we simplified the activations as well. Correct. I yeah. just simply did it as um, uh, each player can take one order per. Um, essentially per tank that they had, or sorry, per platoon of tanks that they had. They only can control one platoon at a time. So they talk about things like that in the back of the rule book as to how to simplify some of those order systems. But I was like, I need to hit the objective of, I want you to have more than one tank available per player, but I want those still to be able to play relatively quickly. So all up, we were still probably only playing with maybe about 30 40 dice somewhere in that space yeah, at any yeah. given moment um, but most of it was actually closer to sort of the 20 sort of 10 tank society the way yeah. Um, yeah. but the benefit is um, everyone had an absolute ball because the, the, oh, none of them 100%. had played a mission like that at all and certainly yeah. not on a table that big yeah and and really even be, being able to enjoy armor to that extent um, typically you've got one armored vehicle in a list if you take it People have yep. opinions on uh, if that's effective or not. And then uh, does it get its points back? Does it actually do anything spectacular? Does it end up just, you know... Does it Does it need to, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, like, there are so many cool vehicles in this game. Uh, and, and that's where we really got to play around with them. And, yeah, it was a nice simplified mechanic. We got to move basically three three armored vehicles at a time, then the next player would do his and back and forth and blah, blah, blah. Um, and it was... Mm. It was good, but yeah, uh, it was at a point where we just had to start shoving German tanks onto the main road to, to prevent the convoys from moving on. Uh, they all slipped mm-hmm. through. Um, yeah, that, that one was, was really good. That's that's And the points, keeper. the actual points, the victory points were tied basically right up until the end. Um, you yeah. guys were neck and neck on both sides trying to attack and defend it. So, um, yeah, no, it was a... 
yeah. I will do something more like that because it was it was good. What it did get me to do, of course, when I was trying to think about that mission and transports and you know how I was going to handle it is. I did have to start thinking about transports in the game and, and mm-hmm. I knew that I was going to stretch them beyond their capabilities um, for the mission, but I had to understand what their capabilities were. And we thought it would be a good moment to sit down and just talk um, talk about transports in a mm-hmm. bit more detail, um, for especially for, for example, our newer players um, that are coming onto the scene. Um, we've talked tangentially before on the podcast mm-hmm. about transports how um you know new players are either they either buy in completely and they go with something um or they completely avoid them because they're not sure how to use them or how relevant they are um and so we'll, we'll talk about a couple of things briefly that we've talked about before and yep. sort of hit the high points um but then we'll get into a few other discussions and some of the rules that affect transports um the other component which i forgot to mention in the briefing notes jacob is um bo mortison does a fantastic oh, yeah, video yeah. on transport vehicles yep. um so he would absolutely be a channel to go check out for some additional info and definitely at a rules and strategy point of view um with some great explanations even uh that particular transport video that he has is in a little classroom he's drawn drawn a little map of how to use them whatever else i like to watch that before an event it gives me Mm -hmm. it gives me a refresher on what on how i can use them effectively um i've been i've been shoving transports in every single list that i have for probably the last six months um we'll go into some ways to use them i'm still kind of on stage one but we will, we will get there and one day I'll, I'll learn to adapt and um but I'm, I'm actually quite comfortable with how i'm using them at the moment um good so uh yeah uh bo is the man that you want to check for um all things bolt action competitive um yep. great place to learn from but you're here with us so why don't we go through yeah. it ourselves so um I think the first part really is, and, and, and we're going to take a given that you are already considering putting something in your list as a transport, as as the first, because otherwise you're not going to have this conversation, right? So, so we're thinking that you're going to have at least one transport in your list, and you're now trying to understand how do I use that transport? What's the purpose? Well, or do I just put it down and see what happens? Um, all valid options. Mm-hmm. Um, your first real hurdle is in deployment and understanding what you need to do with that transport in deployment. Um, this is pretty pretty clearly tied to what you want that transport to do during the game and that's mission dependent but also opponent and their build dependent. You might see an opponent unit where you go, I have to hunt that down and I just have to, mm-hmm. this unit is going to have to go in that truck or that, um, that half track and we're just going to have to go toe to toe and, and provide a a challenge Um, you might have an anti-tank team or a flamethrower team you might be doing something really weird like I was with light mortars in transports um, and you know using that to to try and push up the board and then immediately start trying to cause cause suppression um, with my Japanese Um, but most of the time it's going to come down to are you trying to do something in the first two turns of the game in Mm -hmm. turn one or turn two um, which I I typically in my head that makes sense as like a rush where you're trying to you're trying to push those transports as far forward as possible um even at the sacrifice of not being in cover um Mm -hmm. and and disgorge its troops or are you trying to 
you know, hang around and cover a little bit longer because you want to be able to strike back in a turn three, turn four space once yeah. the game is developed a little bit and then you commit them almost as if they're a, um, like a reserve that you're going to hold mm -hmm. on to. Um, there's obviously a couple of different subtleties on both of those major themes, but most uses that I've seen align to one of those two, um, those two pushes. Yep. And the exception is putting them in outflank from reserve, um, mm -hmm. which you can either have them in reserve as a de um, defense or put them in outflank as a as an attack on the side. Um, so I think I, I know you, you've well you've certainly seen yeah. me do the turn one turn two rush attacks with yeah. transports on people, um, and I know you were trying it early in your bolt action yeah. career and you didn't quite have a handle on how it was working and so yeah. there's some bad results. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't particularly happy to begin with. I mean, um, I think there's a purpose that I was lacking. Um, there was there was early me that half tracks are what a part of the German army. They look cool, blah blah blah, and I want to use them. They're quite expensive, um, and the purpose of moving the troops up is for them to do something. Regular riflemen, it doesn't really matter if they're at long range or not. Um, so typically I am using transports for the rush with engineers. Yep. Um, and, and, and I'm, and because I play German, I'm starved for points as it is. Um, so I'm always going for, uh, inexperienced transport with the lowest, um, man capacity to get the smallest amount of points to get my engineers up the board and cause a threat immediately. Uh, mm -hmm. and I've had success with this, but particularly this works for me because it, um, how do I put this? It takes advantage of bad, bad placement on the opposing side with their deployment. So that yes. that's been that's been typically my successes have been somebody has made a mistake and there is something for me to breach and I can do it quickly. Yes. Um, yep. And uh, I only found this to work with. So a rush tactic needs to have multiple transports that are doing the same thing. Yeah, um, yeah. That that is that's one of the I, I guess what I understand is one of the pinnacles of of to make a successful rush attack like that is you, and even I'd almost say that yeah. even two isn't quite enough yeah. depending yeah. on how many troops are being dropped. Um, you know, if you, if you're only dropping sort of five man units, then two is definitely not yeah. enough um, because your infantry when they get there won't make it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, no. Is it, yeah. Go ahead. My successes with it relate to an overall threat across the board in multiple places at the same time. So yeah, my standard list is two NG squads in, in, in the trucks that are the, the cheapest. They're called heavy field cars for Germans. They're like the 30 points or something like that. Uh, and I also like to flout a um, Shrek squad in a Kubel. Uh, and I like to take away from the armored car, sorry, the, the tank slot and start using some light auto vehicles and that kind of stuff. So I'd already, in, in my head, I'm like, ah, the, the Shrek's good enough for anti-tank capability. Troops have all got Faust and all that kind of stuff. Everything's running with, with ARs as it is. So there's threats everywhere. So they can't deal with all of them. That's right. <laughs> and that, That's and right. That, and that can be a bit of a trap for people. Uh, and I feel most comfortable that way. Uh, and I think that I can adapt with it quite well, depending on the terrain as well, because it's either yes. 
it's either this is coming at with at you and deal with it, or this is <laughs> quite well up the board and hidden. It's one of the two. Yeah, that's right. And and you know, it, it's similar to what my experiences are in in that space. Um, I am. <laughs> I I am not hesitant of throwing a transport out to die. Um, yep. You know, because that's the, one, one of the other ways of, of um, yeah, using those transports is, is like, I'm going to deliberately try and leapfrog the unit out. Yeah. Um, you know, even if you hit and kill the transport, okay, I'm, worst case scenario, I'm going to lose six guys, but that's pretty unlikely. Um, yeah. You know, I might lose three or four. That's not fantastic. Mm-hmm. Depending on the size of my squads, that obviously changes how I play. But for example, if I was running forward with one of my Japanese carriers which can carry 13 Japanese riflemen. Mm-hmm. I don't care how many you kill because I'm yeah. fanatic anyway. And so you, those those yeah. big rushes out into the board, um, you know, and it's simply taking ground um, and we'll get mm-hmm. we'll get to impacts of what it does later on. But um, yeah, the rush in turn one, turn two is, um, it's probably also what I see newer players getting wrong the earliest and the quickest mm-hmm. is they, they yeah. either rush to the wrong point on the battlefield or they, they time the rush wrong yeah. and so they can get shot up before they've actually dropped the threat on the board. So In, in particular, turn one and two, where I find that this is easier is because you have all of your order dice for the most part, depending on the deployment, the mission, blah, blah, blah. But... Um, yep. As soon as it becomes crucial for a transport in later turns to do what it needs to do, usually yeah. down, and you never quite get to, you can get lucky, whatever, but I find it much more difficult to rely on that to do its job at that key point in the game. So I yeah. like to use it early. Yeah, and I often find, you know, as we transition into that second um, component of turn three, turn four, I often find that when I'm using that approach is because I'm either playing defensively for the mission, so I know that I'm outnumbered or I know that I'm outgunned, and so I need to be um, maybe a little bit more hesitant to, and and I don't want to overextend. Um, Or it's simply a case of, I know what I want to hit and where, um, Mm -hmm. but I just don't know where that is right now on turn one and turn two. It might be in reserves, it might be an outflank, and so for me to actually react to it, you know, I have to hold position and there's costs with doing that in the game. Like the more that you are holding back a unit in a transport for multiple turns, that yeah. unit's obviously not shooting. It's obviously not putting pressure on objectives or holding ground anywhere. Um, it's not throwing out any sort of pin suppression. Um, maybe not even from the vehicle MGs if you're really hidden. Mm. Um, you know, it also means you know if something like a prep, bo- uh, like a artillery observer on bombardment gets placed near you, it's like I don't want to commit my transport somewhere, but I have to move it. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. I'm potentially going to get hit. So then you're forced out of position by waiting that little bit longer. The difference, of course, mm-hmm. <laughs> the difference, of course, is it is very hard to, um, once you've already committed to an assault, or, or a, and I don't mean assault as a close yeah, combat, yeah. I simply mean your units moving forward on an objective. It's very hard once you've committed certain actions mm-hmm. towards that to then be able to beat back a fully freshed, reserved unit from a truck or a or a yeah. you know a half track that the half track rolls up it takes shots at you then the guys get out and they take shots at you and often after that you know even that small interchange which isn't a point sufficient one yeah. um but if it's timed right that can actually 
just stop your mm-hmm. assault and, and it just stops you pushing forward on that flank. Um, so it's when they're timed well, they can actually be extremely effective mm-hmm. um, and just shut down um, an option. Um, it's it's something which takes, again, similar to the turn one, turn two, there is a timing element of yep. getting that right, um, which I think really applies to transports in general. Um, mm. You know, that if you execute them at the right time, um, they're very beneficial. And if you make a mistake, they can get punished very easily. Yeah. Um, I've several of the, f- the trucks that I've sent forward at the wrong time that have ended up as burning craters and I've got no return. The units yeah. inside have died and folded and um, or been like ranged in on after they went down. And, and it's just like uh, that, that unit's essentially wasted and the truck was wasted doing it. Um, and then the, the sort of the, yeah, I know, I know, right? It's, it's like that's a similar story for a lot of people, um, and 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 look, all the, all the players that it's happened to that I could bring up is like they're wonderful players. I don't hold anything against mm-hmm. them for it. Um, and then we've got the sort of the the in between option, which is the well, maybe I'll just I'll just adapt a little bit and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll be in cover, but I don't I want to ex- move forward. So that's sort of you're taking ground, but you're not really trying to be too aggressive with it because you're wanting to wait for that opportunity and you don't actually know whether it's yeah. turns two, three, four, or five, or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Typically, you find that in something like point defense when you're on defense against those three points and you're wanting to see where the main push of the enemy is coming to. So it's you can't normally... You can't plan for it, for example, on yeah. turn three, four. You have to see what's going to happen. Um, and then... And, and this is probably a question that, that I'd ask you ask mm-hmm. you to see whether your uh, your position might have changed or not but um what about putting things in reserve or outflank reserve being more of a defensive yeah. move rather than outflank up the side what do you think of doing that um this is where i fail with all of it i mean i mean i'm i'm my head's going to the spot of, of outflank um and i think that for me personally it's just way too risky because you're determining a path on either left or right, blah, blah, blah. And then that's completely changed at the point that you're going to use it. And are you, do you have the right dice and all that to make it work? Or are you just going to get your transport shot up right there? But you're talking specifically from just reserve from your side of the board. Yeah, so yeah. it's a little bit, little bit of both. Yeah. Um, so certainly that first example without flank yeah. uh, is the typical one that, you, mm. that most people I say most people, but it's it's when you realise how you can use a transport. Most people then go, oh, "I'm going to put transports yeah. in in outflank because it's clearly the right thing to do." But of course, it's a whole different set of timings, and so yeah. they get caught out of position. They go, "It's useless." It's or well, I lost three turns waiting for outflank, and then because I chose yeah. the wrong side of the board, nothing happened yeah. when they came yeah. on. Not things happen, but not at the yeah. extent required to actually impact the game significantly and change the result. Um, a little bit of persistence, you can turn that around yeah. and, a, and a little bit of forward planning on what you want your units to do, you can change that. But coming on from reserve in defense is a very, um, it's a very different move. It's not one you mm-hmm. really see a lot in, um, I guess, our competitive meta or casual yeah. play meta, mainly because the missions we play encourage you to maneuver forward. Um, we don't mm-hmm. have a lot of... We typically don't play a lot of attack and defender setups. That However, it is you. fantastic on defender when you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so the clear example that we that some of the people in our community know is um, Mike, uh, and he uses that land carrier 
yep. garbage that can do like thirty dudes in it, <laughs> or whatever it it's is. It's not. It's not garbage. <laughs> well, it's it, it's amazing, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's think of the the insane um, transport capacity vehicles. The, these are actually really good for because you uh, effectively are defending any point on the battlefield, and strongly. You're they can't it very get strongly. they can't get hit until yep. it comes on. Um, so yeah, I've I've witnessed it twice, and it's quite it's quite deadly. Yeah, and and I think that's um, there's a few points that I've got later on that we will talk yeah. about that similar example. Um, but you're yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and and I think the even once you get those deployment elements down of where you put it, trying to use terrain, whether you go in reserve, whether you go in outflank, are you planning to move up on turn three, turn four, um, turn one, turn two, that and mm-hmm. that rush. Um, a lot of that obviously depends on the mission. It depends on yeah. the terrain, um, and yeah. it depends on what your opponent is bringing. Obviously, if 100%. they're packing, if they're packed to the gills with anti-tank weaponry or flamers or things like that, potentially getting close early is not what you want to do because mm-hmm. you could just you're just gifting them more opportunity to to take you out. Um, but vice versa, if they're basically packing nothing but riflemen and you've got half tracks um, for whatever reason yeah. you've taken them. Um, yeah, sure, you might take some pins, but you, you're not actually going to take any damage. Um, mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, pushing them forward and getting them pinned is inconvenient, but it's actually yep. not detrimental. Um, um, the, the most common transport tactic I've seen, which I just think that every player kind of defaults to at some point, is the outflank with an engineer squad in one truck. Yes. And this is yep. designed for things that are like demolition or whatever else. Mi- missions yep. where you need to capture something in the backfield. In the backfield, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't fault that. Uh, it kind of seems almost like a default most of the time. Uh, a lot of people do play it. But uh, at the same time, your opponent's got to react to that. So they, knowing that that's in the list, they've now got to reserve something to counter it. Yes. Or they ignore it entirely. Or they ignore but it. it, it but <laughs> it's one of the two, and now they need to make a decision before you even play, Correct. for the most part. Correct. And and that's where some of these deployment, um, some of these deployment cho- choices, they have different pros and cons. Um, certainly, without flank, you have your opponent not only thinking, okay, I need to keep something back in reserve, or at least on the back towards the board edge, that's strong enough to handle that unit. Mm-hmm. Um, you've also got them guessing. Now, which side, you know, yep. as at the outpost, uh, sorry, at the output of, you know, once you've made your decisions, it's like, right, so now I know how I'm going to deal with it, oh, but I still don't know which side of the board they're coming in on. So how am I, okay, all right. And it's those sorts of things that simply through experience and playing lots of games, you'll learn what becomes natural to you. Mm-hmm. I would also say that if you do enjoy using outflank, try really hard to shake it up every now and then and not constantly choose the one side because players will learn your behavior Mm -hmm. (laughs) it happened to me at a game um which i didn't i didn't connect it this is what happened for a little while but um against this player this one individual i typically would put something in outflank and come on from the same side almost every game um and it didn't matter what setup it was just that's how i was playing against them and so when when we went to play it was just like so you're putting it in an outflank, it's like, okay, and he loaded up the flank that I was just wrote down, and I was like, ah, oh, in his first turn, he's sort of known where I'm going to come on from, I'm sort of committed now, and 
you know, from his point of view, it was still 50-50 in terms of, you know, mission yeah, variables yeah. and terrain and everything like that. But he's like, but out of a 50-50, every game you've played at me, you've come in on the right <laughs> side. So I just took a punt that that's where you were coming in. And I did. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's sort of just like, I, you know, yep, I, I've only ever used the right-hand side when outflanking with this guy, mm-hmm. and I've used a similar um, sweeping motion with, with how the, the army then comes together to try and pressure it. And so he just went, yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to break that this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and look, the, the real clever player will see how you're deploying the rest of your force, try and judge. Of, of course, you could feign it and all that kind of stuff, but um, sometimes it's not worth the risk. Mm. Mm. Yeah. No, that's very, very true. And um, I guess when we come to starting to talk about, you know, the risks and the impacts of of your transports, and before we get into, I guess, some of the other specifics on transports that will that are examples that we want to talk about, transports have some quirky rules um, in, you yeah. know, in how passengers interact with them, what happens when they get shot at, um, when inexperienced. Uh, you know, transports versus veteran transports and why you see one over the other. Um, so it, it's, I know we got the, it's page 114, I think you mentioned yep. earlier, yeah, that's, that, that's, that that's is the one. transport page. So I it would recommend... It goes for a little while. It goes for a little while, yeah. I would recommend, <laughs> yeah. if you're looking to yeah. try and understand how to use a transport, yeah. read the book because there is actually a lot that goes yeah. in and out. Honestly, highlight this section. It becomes a yeah. question at every single event. Um, yep. just even if you know the answer rules. yeah 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 it can be quite useful in particular about um just what happens to passengers that are getting damaged when they disembark yes. and do combat and all that kind of stuff that's that's just going to be useful to have on hand um but yeah so- i mean some of the basic stuff like uh, if you uh embark on a transport it can't move that turn um, if yep. you you can only disembark if it's advanced, it could, if you run it, you can't get out. That kind of stuff. So that, that, those are, those are the key things of this is what a transport is. Um, and then it when it gets pinned, the troops take pins. So yeah, it's a bit of a risk. Mm. And and that's something which um, that has a flow on effect to uh, when you then go to fire. So pins on the vehicle and the vehicle firing that's obvious okay yes we're taking negatives that's you know that's just what's going to happen um pins on a unit inside a vehicle even that even though that unit i guess abstractly is firing additional weapons that has no impact at all and so Mm. you could have um, a unit of 10 riflemen inside a transport the transport may have managed to clear its pin for example so it would be firing on net zero from its pin mm-hmm. pins, um, even though the unit inside who is actually firing Still those machine guns uh, has the one pin, it's things like that where it's just like you, they, they are yeah. still two separate units. Um, the definitely understanding the timing and the order on what happens when a vehicle, a transport vehicle, is assaulted with something mm-hmm. inside. Um, that read that section a couple of times. That's that's quite. Um, it's quite a. It's not a detailed procedure, but it's a very yeah. odd procedure. And then yeah. when you think you understand that, then go look at the FAQ when it talks about units jumping out and getting into cover, because um, mm-hmm. that was one of the loopholes that was uh, around. Is like, oh well, well, we'll talk about the procedure essentially. So 
you do everything you would as normal for charging a unit. If the transport is found in range and it has a unit inside, that unit gets out to fight. Now, it actually doesn't say how they get out. And so yeah. that, that was simply, it's just get out within six inches. That's, that's it. You get out and then the attackers magically teleport to your unit to then fight that unit. Yeah. Um, now you could then put them into cover, which is where this yeah, FAQ question came from. further away, all that kind or of Or further stuff. away, or push them back, or push them forward. Um, you know, you could essentially use it to try and pull them out of position and have them charge further than the 12 inches they're legally allowed to, um, so that you get extra shots onto them, all that sort of stuff. And, and a lot of those things are actually valid. Um, most people don't bother um, because they just play the thematic thing of, well, it goes out in front of the truck, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, or the, or the half track or whatever. Um, but you actually can put them within six inches of anywhere. <laughs> so like you can put them six inches behind as they're running away and the charges magically teleport to them and yep. Yep. potentially slaughter them or get slaughtered, however it works out, yeah. and then they consolidate yeah. D6 inches backwards. It's really odd. Um, but uh, But it does give you that ability to potentially save the transport um it's yeah. a bit it's yeah. a bit weird um but if even if you put them in cover like the faq says it's not simultaneous you don't gain any benefit for that you were charged coming out of a transport um and you never actually for, unless the transport was empty you never actually strike at the transport um mm -hmm. which is something else that but i but i charge the transport yeah but it doesn't yeah. matter <laughs> it's just it just, <laughs> just doesn't matter yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it is a bit um, quirky what about um, what 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 happens if uh, if the transport's actually destroyed? Like, so the, so I mean, we we know yeah. the answer, but for yeah. new players, so so this one's a little bit funky because it becomes a ruin, mm. and it has a higher cover capacity than what it had initially, being a soft skin vehicle. If you had <laughs> troops behind it, this becomes pretty cheeky later on. Uh, so when you have a lot of transports. What you can yep. do, uh, bow calls at castling. Um, yes. So it's it's effectively you you've you've got an objective that you're trying to hold with an infantry unit. You've got transports that have done its duty. You're on you, you know turn four five six whatever. You start parking them up and you start using them as cover, in the hope mm. that they actually shoot them and you have better cover. Yeah. <laughs> Only for soft skin vehicles, because yeah. for um, for armored vehicles, it's actually yeah. irrelevant. It's, it's exactly same. the same. Yeah. But but it's but it's a it is absolutely a bonus that a soft skin vehicle can give you that an armored vehicle can't even on death. Um, yeah. <laughs> I the, the first time when because Bo when I watched Bo's videos when I clued in on that I was like, oh. Let me read the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like I was like how did I miss that? Yeah. Um, yeah, so so when your when your vehicles are destroyed, and it's actually any vehicle, not just transport vehicles, but when any vehicle is destroyed, um, it is left in place as a wreck, um, specifically an impassable wreck yeah. uh, that that will grant cover attributed to um, its its uh, status. So um, soft skins normally become a from a minus one um, soft skin yeah. vehicle, um, then become essentially a um, a piece of hard cover rubble or something like that. So, um, it's you know it, mo most of the, most of the time it's like you're going to try and avoid shooting through it anyway because you're now wanting to avoid giving them that cover. But um, mm -hmm. where it does matter, you are getting a slight benefit. Um, yeah. 
which yeah when they're nice and cheap it's uh and you have a lot of them it's quite yeah good. yeah and particularly if you've rushed an objective and you have dudes in it people are trying to shoot the transport to kill it now it's mm. cover for you and you got your guys going out to the objective and it's all fine <laughs> yeah that's great uh, <laughs> um yeah there's because- a couple of into oh sorry I was going to say that, like, the, the tricky thing to do with transports is after they've done their job, what do they do? Mm. Um, so, yeah, that, that that's obviously an easy tactic that you don't really have to put too much thought into. I mean, the, the clear... The best method would be to find them another purpose, to find them more people to transport. Uh, yeah. and, then, and then the lazy ways is just chuck them back in your deployment so they don't get killed and the opponent doesn't get an order dice. Yep, out of sight and just keep yeah. them safe. Um, for a long time, that's all I ever thought I could do with them once they drop their troops off. Is just because yeah. I, n- I never normally give my trucks guns. Um, I could, yeah. but but I'm just like for me, I'm I'm like if I give the truck a gun, it's it's like I'm trying to suddenly make that more aggressive unit and I'll start using yeah. them differently. And I'm quite efficient at just using them as transports, and I don't really want to. I don't yep. fiddle with what's not broken essentially I was like I, I can use transports well I'm just going to draw the line Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just yeah. going to stop um, but I do think that um, like there's a few there's a few other interactions with transports that you might um, as a new player immediately come across and, and have thoughts about and one of them is like well how does snap to action work mm-hmm. and the reality is you can providing the officer is outside the transport you can snap to action the transport itself but you can't do anything to the unit inside um and same as the transport can still use the morale bonus of a officer who is inside or outside um but you can't you can't like the unit inside then can't use um the morale bonus of yeah or the other snap to and so there's a few quirks that go back and forth like that um what can actually get in a transport is actually a little bit it's it's simple but mind-bending at the same time because of the way unit categorization works so mm-hmm. for units you have infantry and you have artillery and you have vehicles as mm-hmm. as your three distinct uh, uh unit types. categories yeah 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 um artillery when they mount up they are towed and so they have their own sort of quick rules of summary of how that works. But they're essentially one unit to the transport. That's it. They take up all capacity. Um, yep. No duplications or anything like that. It's all sorted. Um, infantry, however, also includes units on push bikes, units on motorcycles, not motorcycle armored car slots, but actually motorcycle yep. mounted infantry, um, and cavalry mounted infantry. Um, right. There's no such... So cavalry is a special rule. It's not a unit type. Motorcycles yeah, okay. is a special rule. It's not a unit type. So those models technically as infantry can still get can in, a in a transport. <laughs> yeah, and then move even further. <laughs> Which, you know, they, they... Logic would dictate that that is extremely impractical. <laughs> However. However. <laughs> um, there's, there is an argument to be had that some of those interactions... Um, could be, yeah, could yeah. be thought about. Um, now, s- some of them also have 
consequences with doing that. So for example, push bikes, the moment that you give a push bike a non-run order, you're essentially forcing them to dismount. So if you start yeah. them in a transport and the first thing that that transport does is run, you're losing the bikes. You paid the points for nothing. Um, mm. It's they'll, they'll just drop them as they leave. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's things like that where you're not going to come across those very often, um, mm-hmm. even with cavalry, which are probably more seen than motorcycles. Um, they're yeah. not that frequent. They're good, but <laughs> I'm yeah, just even yeah. maybe on the competitive circuit a bit more. But yeah, cavalry can technically still get into a transport and at no yeah. additional transport cost. Um, it's because yeah. it's weird. Like the horses just magically evaporate. <laughs> so I don't know how oh, to explain man. it. I'm just like, it's it's like it's like in um, Infinity War where everything just dissolves <laughs> and it's like it's, that's all I know what's happening right now. It's like okay. a horse doesn't exist right that, now. That that is amazing. Because what, what could, how far can cavalry move on an advance? Because you're already getting 12 inches for the movement of an advance on a truck. Yeah, so cavalry go nine on advance and 18 okay. on a run. Okay. Um, but they could charge on that 18. No, because you can't okay. charge out of a okay. transport. Okay, yep, okay. Um, yep. But, it, but I mean, being able to go 12 inches up and then nine out. Yeah, um, that's pretty cool. Without a road. Yeah. <laughs> um, is is it's not bad the, yeah. but you have you do have problems of if you are at all forced to go down or do anything like cavalry yeah. does have some restrictions as well where you might suddenly lose them um i i don't believe it specifies under cavalry that um that they can't get in a transport um mm. which is sort of the thing i was looking for to go surely surely there's a line <laughs> in here that says may not use a transport and i'm like what? i don't see it um now, yeah. why would you bother when your cavalry horse can run further than a truck? But uh, you know that's a different, <laughs> that's a, a different conversation. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, yeah, it's it's. So if you if you ran your horses eighteen inches, um, you are technically uh, a couple of inches short <laughs> than if you'd advance the truck and got them out with an advance, which is just. <laughs> <laughs> A, ca- a cavalry oh unit. Oh god, that's anyway. just going to be so hilarious! Like, yeah, it's I'm another. It's a little transport. There's nothing there. Don't worry about it, mate. But then yeah, vomit yeah. out all the horses. Vomit out all the horses. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 that's you know, the, I suspect that there is a meme list somewhere of things Surely. like this, um, which yeah, it's just this is just bonkers. Um, <laughs> Funny thought. Yeah. 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 Um. So then, um, let, let's say you've, you've covered off all those rules. You think you understand how you're going to deploy and what their purpose is in their list and, and you know, even not specific purpose, just you've got something there. And you, what's the next thing? Well, do you want a soft skin truck or mm-hmm. an armored carrier? And yeah. this one is, well, in the competitive circuit, it's not hotly debated. Um, trucks yeah. are simply better. Uh, yeah. And some some jeeps or simply or cheaper builds. and move faster <laughs> i said i said better yeah yeah <laughs> um, true, true um but I, but i do think that there is there is a, some there is a place yeah there is some place for uh armored carriers it really depends on your play style and what you're going for um so when i ran my usa paratroopers they ran two half tracks both yeah. were veteran um you and i fought actually when in that configuration you had your early dac army with all its armored yep. vehicles against my us and 
the the whole purpose of that list is to just be spitting as much lead as possible in something that doesn't look like it spits a lot of lead. Um, yeah. Like like everything doesn't necessarily look like it does a lot until I start shooting um, and focus firing on that list. It works all about on on focus firing on the target. And um, I deliberately took half tracks for that because I only had eight man squads, um, eight man squads of veterans, and I was like, I need to get those eight men up the field as quickly as possible, without any risk of them being further whittled down. Um, yeah. And so I deliberately chose a very expensive um, metal coffin for them to ride in. Um, yeah. But I found that majority of the time, that was actually perfectly fine. Like there are there mm-hmm. are things that would have shot at those half tracks that if they were trucks, they would have disintegrated yeah. and evaporated. Yeah. But simply because they were half tracks and they were veteran half tracks, yeah. they kept pen going. Is, pen is now needed. Yeah. Yep. And... You know that that made a big difference for like you know you're shooting at you're shooting at my half track that's just moved up the field. You put one pin on it, the unit inside gets one pin. I'm rolling tens as veteran to get out of that half track and yeah. shoot back at you. I'm going to clear that pin and I'm just going to shoot straight back. It's yeah. it's things like that which um, that that actually made much more of a difference than what I thought mm-hmm. it would. Um, uh, but I did have to pilot that list extremely well. I had to be on point with my timing. Um, because if the half track did fold unexpectedly, um, a huge component of my list just disappeared. Yeah, the mobility yeah. aspect, and typically several of the guys inside, um, which would hurt the list a lot. Um, but it's what you want. Do you want something that is lighter but moves faster, or do you want something that is heavier that that moves a, you know a bit slower, but has more versatile options in how it moves? One of the yeah. biggest things that I think people overlook between the trucks versus the half track conversation comes from the fact that movement is doubled on roads. Yeah. And what I find a lot of new players and even some experienced players getting stuck on is they go, well, roads are the only way to move. That's mm. not true. Half tracks or any tracked transport, they can cross yeah, linear obstacles ground. and rough ground. Yeah. And that's actually one of the reasons that you have to pay so many points for them is because you don't need a road to be mobile. So yeah. there, there's, there are things that you can do that a, like a truck or a Jeep just simply can't. Like you can yeah. go from one side of a hedge to the other where you were out of line of sight and in line of sight and then the unit's able to get out and shoot at things that they couldn't see a second ago where there is a truck literally would have to drive all the way around um, or find a gap yeah. in the hedge somewhere. Um, that means that certain types of ground half tracks cover significantly better um yeah and and it's something which i suspect the reason that that isn't given as much weight is because a lot of uh more competitive boards are typically more open with less linear obstacle rough ground patches so trucks have or or soft skin vehicles are, are immediately more useful are immediately more useful yeah. immediately um, because you simply have that mobility element whereas if you started putting down patches of rough dirt everywhere where simply you're funneling those trucks into fire lanes that are now covered with anti-tank weapons well that's no use to me it's like oh well shame I yeah. brought half tracks so I'm just going to do what I want yeah um, I'm going to go around yeah yeah and and I think that's one of the one of the things that um, that comes in half tracks it gets or armor for sure yeah yeah. Armor carriers also typically come with weapons automatically that um, 
they can we have flak and can drive off airplanes or even just have weapons in general. Um, yeah. Now, you pay for those, so it's kind of six to one, half dozen the other in that instance. If you want the gun, you just pay for it on the truck. Um, now, of course, in the benefit of and you've said some of these things already, the, mm. the, the benefit of soft skins, they're cheap, they're fast, yep. they're, they typically have a smaller or shorter profile. Um, they're not normally as long as what a half-track is. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're actually, in that extent, they're actually a little bit easier to hide on occasion. Um, they actually can carry, in some cases, more. Um, yep. And depending on the size of your truck, like I know some of the American trucks, um, like I was reading, I was like, I can carry like 25 dudes in this. Like that's, that's yeah, like a, yeah. it's like two and a half it's squads. Nuts. And, you know, then I look at my Russian trucks and I'm there with like, I've got maybe 12. Um, then I look at, then I look at some of the, um, some of the other ones and it's like, yeah, okay, about 10 or whatever. Um, half tracks typically will sit around that 10 mark, but you can't put yeah. anything else really in them. Um, trucks, you can probably put a unit of 10, maybe yeah. a medic, maybe a commander, maybe, you know, Yep, bit of extra yep. support um so that works in their favor penalties which we'll get into later for doing that of course yeah um yeah so it's uh, the other one is the straight damage value um and the yeah. and the the perceived threat so damage value is quite simple one's harder to hurt yeah. plus one needs a pen yeah. to hit it for yeah. the most part still can um, pin it if you still can pin a lot of them as open topped, yeah. um, but yeah. from a damage point of view, you're essentially immune to small arms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you now need a special a, weapon. You now need a special weapon, yeah. um, and then perceived threat range. So, and this is where, again, I think everyone goes, oh, you know, like flamers in a jeep or you know bazooka team in a jeep, like amazing, so good. They are like, yep. undoubtedly cheap, effective. Um, little bit of a one-trick pony, but if their one trick is the only trick they need to do for the then whole game, fine. then it's fine, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It's, and, all, and it's all good. Particularly, they go on for a target that's worth way way more than they am. They are, including a transport. Mm-hmm. And if it does its job, then you're gone. You, you so. just you're straight up. Yeah, in in a point economy, you are just straight up. And um, I think the the big change of of how I was viewing. The perceived threat is because I don't run tr- my trucks with guns, but my half tracks I do, and that just helps me to use them differently. Yeah. Um, the perceived threat of a um, essentially a mobile machine gun um, just being able to pepper away and not like if there's a unit nearby to keep it alive, um, you've essentially just parked a machine gun team, you know, with within yep. sort of 18 inches of the enemy. And you don't have to really move after that unless you're threatened, um, mm-hmm. and you can just you can just add in extra shots. Whereas my trucks can't do that, and so yep. without the guns, my trucks typically um, they're less of a target unless my opponent is chasing a dice to kill. Um, but my trucks essentially can do nothing, and so yeah. while they've dropped off a unit, and that's great, um, they can't support that unit in and of themselves. They don't have any weaponry yep. to do that, and so. Yeah, the armor carriers offer a little bit more of a sustained um, mm-hmm. threat to add to whatever you've dropped off. Yeah, and especially you know if you if you throw the um, MG on the truck to do the kind of yeah. the same role, it's now at risk of being damaged by any small arms. So yeah, and and you're yeah. likely to get shot back simply by putting the gun on top. Um, whether yeah. you know, I 
there's there's a a particular American selector, uh, which is the I think it's the the American Armored Rifle um, platoon. I think um, it's in the D-Day book, and um, what it allows you to do is essentially have um, some very efficient half tracks. You get a ten point discount on the half track. Your heavy machine gun becomes a medium machine gun, and then you essentially take that ten point discount and purchase for five point for fifteen points, but essentially five points extra. You purchase another machine gun. So for a small mm-hmm. point increase, you double your machine guns um, on the vehicle. And that can be quite effective. The drawback is you have to take, um, you have to actually take one vehicle per infantry unit. So it's yeah. not like a tank yeah. platoon of simply needing seats. You actually have to buy one extra vehicle per unit. So I wrote up a list yeah. and I was like, this is going to be amazing. I've got this many bazooka teams, this many, this, and this. Yeah, and then I looked at it and I went, oh, I need 15 half tracks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I was yeah. like, oh, okay, that's not as good as I thought. Um, now that's okay. Um, yeah, but the point that I was um, trying to get around to was that even a half track that's able to mount two machine guns on it, for the cost of what that's going to be, like if they yeah. were, if I was doing it with a veteran half track and adding an MG, I'm looking at almost 150 points. Um, yeah, whereas like all your light tanks p- can do the same thing. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. they'll, and they'll they have a better. They can't transport, but they'll have a better armor value. So that, again, goes to what's the purpose. Um, I have a couple of thoughts of how I might do extra MGs and, and, and essentially do drifting Tokyo drift drive-bys <laughs> with, um, with machine guns. But there's also a fire arc limitation on those, and I've got to just yeah. work through that a little bit more. But that would change their perceived threat of an armored carrier quite significantly, as if you were running mm-hmm. multiple MGs on the half-tracks and they were running and supporting one another... The, the ability to put four machine guns into anything at 18 yeah. inches is not not particularly fond, uh, not particularly great um, from any experience I've had. Um, yeah. And if you then drop out two units of infantry on top of that and follow yeah. it up, yeah. it's four pins, irrespective yeah. of damage. If you're focusing on one unit, that's four pins immediately. You've just taken that unit out of the game. You've forced yeah. their next order to be a rally. Um, yeah. And heaven help them if they were out in the open. They are dead dead (laughs) it's just not happening um but i but yeah i think a lot of people that perceived threat range is associated with the the unit on the inside as opposed to Mm -hmm. the actual transport which yeah yeah i kind of get but um but armor carriers kind of feel like they have an edge for me there um because they come with it by default even though i'm overpaying it's um and then yeah, obviously the, there's the quirky ones. There's a lot of there's a lot of German ones that have you know different guns, light light or like um, light howitzers, all that kind of stuff. And there's there's weird things that can that have I get medium anti tanks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I get yeah. I get lost in just how many um, just how many variants. There's, it's like. They basically oh, yeah. went, we're going to cookie cutter the half-track base and make some minor changes every now and then. And literally, it's, it's like they went into weapon a weapons systems. shop. Yeah, yeah, it's like they went into a weapon shop and went, yeah. this has to be able to mount onto this, 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 yeah. this. Yeah. make it work. Um, yeah. You know, and, and yeah, yeah it's, it's v- any, almost any weapon use... system you want. Yeah. 
As someone who wants to use all the toys, it is it is a shame that only a fraction of them are available for the transport selectors for the, yes. the two five ones. But yep. um, yeah, there's probably a good reason why. <laughs> probably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's um yeah, it's there there are there are some and, and even looking at like the ones that are available and it's like you basically yeah. have whatever you want like it's yeah, it's yeah yeah it's you know you want something slightly bigger yeah sure you want something slightly smaller yeah sure you want something really big really big sorry we'll just take the toe version um of what you've got and just give it oh we'll give it a slightly smaller gun <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's, yeah it's just absolutely um yeah, there's a few there's a and there's a few standouts like the Stormwall, for example, which is the self-propelled howitzer half track with storage like with transport capacity as well. Yeah. So you can have yeah. you can actually have a squad, you know, support it and that's that is cool. It makes it a target, um, <laughs> but it but it it is very effective. Um, it's mm-hmm. very very effective. So I've I've already talked a little bit about the taking the half tracks as mmg support yeah uh, groups uh, the the clear thing here that you'll see most of the time is is the bren carrier stuff yeah yep. that's it mm-hmm. and and that's the brens come at a great price point they come yep. with um come with a light machine gun in the hull or an anti-tank rifle um and you can mount another light machine gun on top uh and so you, typically you'll see they'll take the hull mount, they'll take the pintle mount, and then the unit that is inside will come out and will have yeah. an, at least one light machine gun as well. Um, um, and, and facing lists that are full of those can be can be quite frustrating because, yep. you know, all, all your non-special weapon systems can only pin them. Yeah, that's it. And, yeah. and you're probably looking like... If, if your opponent only has, for example, two of those units in any combination, that's very reasonable yeah. to deal with. Yeah. That's fine. And even three, mm-hmm. that's you can have a couple of lucky shots and get up on top of that really quickly. When it's four or potentially yeah. five, um, that, that becomes a lot harder to deal with. Simply the number of shots on individual units coming back at you starts to take its toll, um, especially mm-hmm. because they also focus fire. The M3 Scout car is similar, um, where it's mm-hmm. a, it's only a, it's like I think it's a five-man unit that can go in it, um, but it can have, I think it's up to three machine guns um, yeah. attached to it, and so that that thing is, they don't all shoot in the same fire arc, but you just drive them all forward and and just mm-hmm. shoot out whichever way you want, because the base price of getting an M3 um, car- carrier car is actually not that expensive. Yeah, all that much. Um, yeah. So you just pay for the machine guns. Um, gets a bit worse when you put the special mounted recon unit in them as well that allows them to essentially disengage and then fire those three <laughs> machine guns for the rest of the game. But, you know, whatever. That's, it is do what that. it is. <laughs> they do. They do. Um, but those, those M, I guess those medium machine gun support vehicles, um, you operate very differently to to how you would do just a simple, like a like what, what my trucks typically do, which is rush forward, disgorge yeah. their troops, and then like nick off and hide their dice um so a a different way to to use those sorts of transports um what do you what do you reckon is is it new player friendly to use to use them in that way as as more like mobile machine gun platforms i mean it sounds like it is because it's forgiving is it though okay 
it's forgiving because you have a purpose you have you have a dual purpose vehicle straight away um so you know you you do its transport maybe you do it well maybe you don't whatever now you have a vehicle that can shoot so that that's forgiving in that perspective you're paying for it for sure in the list Um, and that that's that's the key thing that I found when being a new player trying to use that kind of stuff but um, I think in my head as a more of experienced player that the the part of using a regular transport and it vomiting out its troops and then what do you do with it I'm like oh maybe it is actually worth spending this money to actually make it a bit more of a threat and useful post transport yeah and that that's similar to what I came to. I think with my conclusion is is adding extra machine guns so you're ready to be able to just stack on yeah. pins the following turn. Um, that that's where I think there's some value. Um, mm-hmm. I'm yet to test that out to really understand yeah, yeah, whether yeah. that's true because the the and risk I, I, in the empty transport. The empty transport. Yeah. yeah. The the risk yeah. inherent with all of these is that if you have an empty transport closer to an enemy unit at the end of the turn than a friendly unit, it auto dies, and in those cases, it's actually fully removed from the table, so you don't yeah. even get the benefit of it yeah. becoming a wreck. Yeah. And um, th- and this is known by everybody. Uh, yeah. So uh, you you will you will see that uh, I'm not going to destroy that. I'm just going to run to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, because sometimes you want sometimes you want the cover to either take yep. advantage of yourself or you're not in a position to run towards it and so you're actually just going to take the shot but a lot of the times when you're in the position and all you have to do is move yeah why not oh, excuse me um, yeah, yeah why not yeah. Um, yeah. because you're going to pick it up it's going to be a dice yep. that your opponent's not getting next turn and you can actually shoot you can happily shoot something else yeah. Um, Look, I, I, I'd be willing to take that as a learning opportunity over a couple of games yes. to learn the placement to not get them in those situations. Yep. I'd, I'd almost say that you have to go through that process where it will happen, um, yeah. where you're going to get outmaneuvered um, either on purpose or by accident. Um, yeah. But, you, I mean, it happens to me now, right, where I get outmaneuvered yeah. and some dice don't go the way I expected to from their statistical averages, and as a result, my transport goes by. And it just yeah. it just goes, yeah. that was a fun game. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going back in the happen. box. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and you just have to, in circumstances like that, you just have to take the good with the bad and you're here to play a game. Um, but, but, yeah, it... Your, your transports will, on occasion, get caught out, and and they'll they'll be surrendered off to the enemy, and they'll just be taken off the board. Um, More likely. Yeah. <laughs> so we touched we touched on. Um, a couple of these pieces earlier but we might just go into talking yeah. about a bit more detail so obviously one of the biggest benefits of a transport is your ability to mobilize and actually move a unit quickly from one location to another so when we on the podcast when we talk about a unit's threat range we typically talk about the footprint of the board that it has influence on that it that it controls so people with rifles um 24 is your maximum influence range, but realistically it's a 12-inch marker around them that they're going to have the most contention and the most, uh, I guess, uh, the most control within the sphere of the game. Like, if you've got 10 guys sitting on cover and an objective and you're sending another 10 guys after them, um, 
they need a serious effort to actually push them off that 12 inch mark so getting up yeah. to that 12 inches is not a problem but to shift them off and for you to run in typically um, takes a bit more effort um, so all of those different threat ranges for your units um, with the exception maybe of artillery um, are increased by having a transport in mm -hmm. partnership with them where they pull them up the field um, artillery is only different because you actually have to give up two turns of their threat range. Yeah. Um, so, because you've got to... If, even if they start loaded up, there's it's going to take probably a turn to get into position of where you want if you know where the assets yeah. are. Then you've got to get out, but you have to get out with a run order, so you can't fire that turn. Then mm -hmm. the next turn, if you survived, then you can shoot. So, yeah. Yeah. also a reason why you don't see many people tow artillery pieces, because um, it's negligible value you, you're losing mm -hmm. shots um, that you really can't afford to lose um, but yeah things like flamers where you go oh six yep. inch range that's horrible to put in a jeep yeah now 24 inch run <laughs> ready for next turn you're done yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. Yeah. Um, even bazookas panzer Shreks, both classics yeah. to go in a in a light transport um, I've done it as I said earlier I did it with light mortars um, where light mortars were in a, mm. a half track and so I would advance um, sort of 9 or 12 um, depending on where I was with a truck or a half track yeah. and then I would get out 6 and then I'd bomb 24 away um, and that was I could basically hit the back edge of the board um, in those yeah. circumstances yeah. Like, unexpected so if someone hasn't run into it yep yeah. well and with you know Japanese having 3 light mortars um, yeah I put more sure. than I put a few more than 3 though yeah yeah <coughs> <laughs> um the big load up of squads versus the singles. What's uh, what's your thoughts? So, uh, are we talking heavy transport that has lots of capacity that could have multiple squads in it? Is that what we're talking about? Uh, a little bit. So, so that's definitely um, that probably talks to the last point on my agenda that I had oh, okay. put down. Um, right. Yep, but but what I'm talking about is uh, even a truck. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have a unit of say six riflemen or six commandos yeah. with SMGs, uh, you have four spaces left typically in that truck. You can yeah. put two teams. You could put a Piat yeah. team and a um, you know maybe a, a light mortar team in in that yeah. truck. Uh, and so you have not be six commandos, light mortar, and a Piat team. Yeah. Let's let's just say peer teams are okay and good for this instance. Um, <laughs> um, do you. do do you see <laughs> benefit in being able to do that as opposed to just take and not not from a point on point value of just taking ten commandos, but but simply would you rather risk only one unit in that transport, or would you prefer to have multiple, yeah. which extends your options a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm the fan of one unit, one transport, uh, and the transport capacity being tailored to the unit that's in it. Um, so that there's actually a fair <coughs> amount of trucks that have all varying sizes of transport capacity. Um, so I, I pick precisely what I need for the unit that's going to be in there. And I think that's... I mean, that's point sufficient, but I think it's more that that's also activation efficient as well. It's quite a bit of risk to a, a transport being in there with multiple units in it. 
rather than just the one that's going to do its one task and then move on. Um, and yeah, it goes back to where I'm talking about the rushes and all that kind of stuff. I like to have my two-man teams in little jeeps and all that kind of stuff doing their own thing. Um, yep. It's a slightly more expensive, but I think it's safer. That's just my opinion. No, and I think I feel feel more comfortable that way. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think for for all new players who are getting started, that should be where they start. Yeah. Um, and for a lot of them, they will actually go, yep, this is comfortable, this is achievable, I'm happy with it, um, I don't have to do anything else. Having where we are, we're talking about uh, yes, multiple units, multiple in, units. In, in a transport and why I'm wrong. Yep, well, not, not <laughs> wrong. So I, I would agree with you that um, when it comes to one unit in one transport feels like the right number. Um, it feels mm-hmm. like that you you get you're risking just enough, but also there's a good payoff afterwards, and and you're okay. There are some very rare exceptions that I think are tied to how you want to play a particular mission or a particular mm-hmm. um, or a particular terrain setup. Where doing multiple units in one transport makes more sense. Yeah. Um, so especially if you're trying to hide from something like prep bombardment. It makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. to put everything in one transport and just reduce the number of dice that are being rolled against you. Um, yeah. If you're um, a multi-launcher, for example, it's actually yeah. a great defense against a multi-launcher, um, especially if you can get it out of line of sight and just just simply force your yeah. whole army to disappear. Um, the other one is anything like... Um, double envelopment or um, what's the other one yeah, you have to run yeah. off the table for where yeah. you get points multi-units the off the end yeah yeah yeah. Makes if you're sense. playing a mission like that it totally makes sense to forget shooting them and just make like they're more valuable running off the table than anything they're going to kill so just run those teams off the table and, mm-hmm. and just pick the safest path that transport can go and just gun it um, and yeah. just get it across yeah. um, you won't miss them uh, mm. So I think those those make sense, but they're like I said, they're much more specific. Um, they're not yeah. the, if they're not the general application of a transport. Um, yeah. And then we get into like what you were leading into the first time, which is things like um, the land schlepper, things like the yeah. um, the buffalo, the, um, the LVT buffalo, the monstrous. Like we can hold thirty troops in us. Um, and yep. go in water and do all these other things. It's like, but I move six a turn, and I don't really have a great armor. <laughs> I don't really have. <laughs> like, there's all these other things that go with it. But um, but those big units that that basically yeah. can carry yeah. almost a whole yeah, section a and platoon <laughs> onto themselves. Um, yeah. uh, a section, of course, being ten men. You're right. Yeah. It should be a platoon. Yeah. Um, those those things actually have massive value when in outflank. Um, huge um, because you can simply take what is a large component of your um, staying power and deliver it on the left or the right um, quite comfortably Uh, most of the time those really big ones are not fast Um, they're like they're they're quite restricted um, and super big and so you're going to be seen by virtually everything (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, which the, makes out flank or reserve the, the smart play. Because you can protect yeah. it to get it up. And if you look at three turns worth of movement, um, for example, for like the buffalo, 
depending on the terrain, you're probably, you might only make 18 <laughs> inches, right? Like, you know, because yeah. unless, you, unless you position and get really good for a run, uh, and then you can maybe get some movement out of that. But even if you did that, you're still coming, turn three, you're coming on and able to hit the same ground, but in a much more direct route. And so it's like, well, outflank is really the way to go for that. Yeah. Um, though... Because if they are on the board <laughs> and they get taken out, <laughs> the potential oh is yeah, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I've yeah. I've done it where um, I've put multiple units in a transport with the intent to try and run them off the board in some way, shape, or form, and they get taken out, and everything inside dies. <laughs> it's just <laughs> you give up sort of three or four dice and victory points yeah. all at one time, and yeah. it doesn't feel good. But um, but that's the trade-off. Um, mm, you you mm. gotta you gotta understand what the trade-off is um so if you take yeah if you take the um the water buffalo and this actually goes into the, one of the bottom reasons that we've got there um there's a mm -hmm. concept known as the russian doll um and, mm -hmm. and exploiting the russian doll um i think gorchin was the one that came up with the worst Coined example it. that i've heard yeah. of um yeah. but or clown car is it sometimes known yeah, as well yeah, sure. you, you take you take lots of things coming out of something very you know something unpredictable or small the land trapper and the buffalo are not exactly small, and so you expect yeah. a lot to come out of them. Um, but there are a few quirky transports that allow you to do things that aren't necessarily <laughs> kosher. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm still not sure how I feel about Gorchin's example. Yeah. Um, but uh, there, there's one that allows you to apparently put a and like an armored car transport in it, which is then allowed to carry something in it. Um, yeah. And okay. So so you have it move up kick something out and then a unit kick up out of that um, and it's just like I'm not sure I like that um, <laughs> um, but yeah the the most transports are going to disgorge probably 8 to 10 guys uh, on any given yeah. expectation of a limit um, but when you have a big or, or a transport that's somehow able to get more than 10 guys um, suddenly drop down in certain, certain spaces that can actually be quite a lot of pressure yeah. um, and, and that can be quite you're exploiting the fact that you can simply drop down more than 10 guys at one time um, like if you imagine yeah, Mike Andrews list um, if he'd if we'd played again and he put that on my one of my flanks for example um, and you know 25 guys and a commander jumped out of it like yeah. in my flank I'm like not much I can no yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I, can't, like, <laughs> no. I can't deal I can't deal with that because um, my, my army's busy over there firing a whole bunch of other light mortars yeah. and stuff it's like they're not they're not turning around to face this yeah. um, you know it's like I don't really have an answer um, mm. and and it's that sort of an impact that you're going mm -hmm. for is like you're not just arriving on a flank to try and cause impact you're arriving on a flank and saying this is mine now go away yep. <laughs> <laughs> mm. and I think there's one there's one other main main thing to consider with transports that we haven't really touched on the reason as why you would do it we've done it from a machine gun yeah. point of view but we haven't really done it for anything else um, you might have mentioned it briefly but that's the point around making sure that you have redundancy with your transports mm. so yeah the concept is that if one is good, two is better, and three is best. 
right? So so simple. <laughs> if 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 one is good, then two of good must be better. And then if you have three of something, which is where you've come to, right? You're starting to turn around to go, I want more. Three is best. Anything anything more than three, and ironically, unless yeah. you're exploiting, for example, the MMG capacity like yeah. the Brens or, sorry, LMGs like the Brens or MMGs, anything more than three, you almost yeah. start seeing diminishing returns. Um, yep. Partly because your points run out, <laughs> and so you can't spend it on anything else. Um or the roles that those transports need to do, you simply create traffic jams by having yeah. more than sort of three units that are focused on doing it. So my sweet spot typically is two. Um, yeah. I normally run two transports of some description, normally the same, so either both soft skin or both armoured. Yeah. Um, and I will, I will run them uh, you know, with the point of they're both going to, try and drive the same way unless I'm playing yeah. something like envelopment and then I'm just going to stack them both up and force you to choose a left or a right um, sometimes my opponent chooses both and just deletes them yeah. Um, yeah. but, but um, then there's lists like the diminishing returns I saw when I was playtesting my Japanese um, hokey pokey uh, list mm -hmm. that I wrote which was basically units of 13 riflemen in tracked carriers um, mm. with a commander on a... I think it was a commander on a horse that just rode behind them. Um, and there's a couple of MG cars and stuff in that were in there. But essentially it was, I'm going to run and put 33 guys point blank in your face and then just yep. charge you next turn. You can't like the, you can't kill 33 in one turn normally off a single squad. Um, I'm just going to just yeah. steamroll yeah, it. Too bad. And, yeah, and there were there were six of those units, um, and so mm. it was like this, this wave of just Japanese riflemen out of carriers, um, and you had you you were going to give you were going to get given essentially one turn to deal with them um, yeah, before they yeah. were before they were in your face, and I was like against some list like a fully armored list, you're laughing because I can't actually hurt you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like I, I can't do anything, but for anything that involved objective taking or infantry, it was like yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's like That's 84 Japanese riflemen, man. Like yeah, good luck. Yeah, it's it's when you include all the other like special teams that I had with it and stuff. It was like it's 84 guys and they're fanatic, so they don't fold easily. It's not like mm -hmm. it's not like an inexperienced set of 84 guys. Um, it's like these are 84 regular dudes that just yeah, yeah. 840 points worth of rifles. Yeah, That's um, significant. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it's sort of the Hokies. Um, because they're track carriers, like this, almost the sort of a Bren carrier space, but with less guns, and it's, they mm -hmm. just they just hold thirteen dudes. And I was like, how many of those can I have? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this many. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, but you do get diminishing returns because you have to make that sacrifice off other things. Like I had no anti-tank threat in my list whatsoever, <coughs> so any yep. tank was going to just cause problems for me. <laughs> I, outside of blocking it. And like locking it in six carriers that had died, I didn't really have an option. Mm. Mm. Not even your suicide boys. I don't think they were in the list in the original <laughs> version so that I wrote. Cheap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think they were in well, there. You, you probably um, thought they needed transport <laughs> yeah. to keep up with the rest. <laughs> the really, really, really fit Japanese suicide bombers. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think because um, the overall 
the overall gist of transports, you know, so do, do I recommend everybody plays with them? No. Um, but I do think that if you enjoy having some mobility in your list, uh, if you like to be able to counter-attack, um, mm-hmm. if you like to be able to sort of like take a bit of damage and push back, transports are really good for that purpose. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really, really good for that purpose. Um, if you If you are interested in being able to strike really hard and fast and try and cripple your opponent so that they can't strike back effectively. Transports are really good for that. Yep. Um, yep. If you're looking to deal a killer blow that your opponent can't recover from but a little bit later in the game, transports are really good for that um, because of what they, they allow you to put those units in the right places. It's not the only requirements or how to play for bolt action. Like Transports are not mandatory to take but they do give you a lot of yeah. flexibility in how you want to play the game. Um, what And the next, and this is the part that I'm still learning because I haven't mm-hmm. quite cottoned on yet, is how best to defend a transport. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so, so not just positioning on the terrain, but what else do I put in my list so that my transports are actually not target number one? Because typically yep. at the moment, what happens is I'll line up even the game I had against Chris Ramsey last um, last Sunday last just week. gone, um, and even though we only got a couple of turns into that game, um, he was trying his hardest to shoot at the transports for where he could mm-hmm. see them in preference because he knew that those transports being mobile and being able to run around and drop 20 Bulgarian troops basically anywhere I wanted was a problem. Um, yeah. And I didn't have anything else in my list that I'd made visible to him that was a more worthwhile target. Yeah. So by doing that, what I actually did was I made his choices easier because easier. everything yeah. everything that possibly could simply shot at the transports. Um, yeah. That's that's a learning curve that takes a lot longer yeah. because because that depends on terrain, mission, mm-hmm. opponent, um, yeah. you know, your experience with the game um, yeah. and also the part you can't control, which is what your opponent chooses to shoot at. <laughs> that too but Um, i mean also the aggressiveness of transports and being in their their side of the board with nothing else that they could actually even get in range of so mm -hmm. it is a bit of a risky play um i mean i think that the default thing for people to start with is just to start putting their two men teams in jeeps and playing around with that and getting comfortable with that i think that's where you should start um i think i think trying the um reserve outflank uh, transport ng particularly for missions that you need to capture or defeat or a, a, a point in their deployment zone whatever else i think that's where people that's a really should good also yep. get familiar with um if you if you want to do the rushes like me then you're going to need more than one transport two two is better two is better three is best that's it um but yeah, uh, there's, there's quite a lot covered here. Bo does some good stuff on it as well. Yes. Um, but yeah, do do have some careful consideration around. Um, do we include machine guns? Do we go armored? Make them more suitable for another job post transporting. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Obviously, and then the movement. I mean, our, our our boards are typically all rough and all that kind of stuff. So it makes sense for a half track. It actually yes. Half tracks mm-hmm. actually perform quite well in our meta, um, yeah. and but look, as we always say on this podcast, the best thing that you can do is simply just play games and and yeah. 
get yeah. some good get some good people and players around from our local community and hey go hey I want to test out using transports most of them are mm-hmm. going to be like sweet let's um let's walk that through and we w- we won't tell you how to do it we'll let you sort of work through and figure it out but you ask yeah. questions if we see that you're struggling with a decision or we think we know what it is yeah. typically the players will go are you thinking about doing this because you probably should do that or or they'll go yeah don't don't waste your time do it over here look at look at it from this angle um yeah the community is really good at helping you do that sort of stuff when you're getting started or even if you're experienced and wanting to try something new i know like for for a long time um i didn't use transports i was like yeah i don't need yeah. transports i'm just going to spend the extra points elsewhere and i'm just going to do I'm everything sure. on foot. yeah 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 and that's yeah. a perfectly acceptable way to play um i had quite a yeah. lot of success learning how to use troops that way but mm-hmm. i do feel that the options open up when you allow a trans when you start yeah, to learn yeah. how to use the transport uh, just gives you more tools in your toolkit um 100 i mean and, and it, it's about making an exploit in their line mm. which you just can't do if you don't have the mobility for it because your whole Correct. force is moving at the same rate yes um so that that gap is just gonna just gonna disappear on you uh, yep. so it is risky uh, but it is high risk, high reward. Uh, I, I think, and I think it's a key part of playing this game. So you should become familiar yeah. with them. And if you you're not having all that much success with transports, let us know. Maybe describe some of your games in the comments. Maybe mm-hmm. we can give you some pointers from there. Um, but I think you're only going to learn through your mistakes, as it is anyway. That's yeah. how we all learn at playing this game, man. As it is, so. Um, and still learning. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Try try some new stuff. Um, yeah, that was a really good chat on transports, Dan. Um, I guess we will catch you guys next time on the ep- next episode. Thanks for checking in for HMG. This is Western Tabletop. You can find us on Spotify, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. Wherever you're watching this right now and everywhere else on the internet, we're there. Um, do let us know if this is another topic that you enjoy. Again, mm-hmm. Not, a, not too much event focus. This is more tactics. Um, if, if this is what you like, do let us know if there's something that we haven't covered. We'll go through it. Uh, and yeah, we'll go absolutely. Um, um, so, and check out, really take the time to check out Bo's channel with his, um, yeah. his, his, his transport video in particular is, um, it's pro- is really his good. best. I, I would say it's his best and most comprehensive video that he has. Um, yep. and, and again, yeah, I, I watch it before an event if I'm using transports. It's that good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cheers, guys. Uh, we'll see you cool. next time. I'm Jacob. You are? I'm Dan. You are Dan. Cool. I am Dan. Right. <laughs> I'm still Dan. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you next time.